Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Well, have you ever, ever, and I know you have, some of you have, have you ever been in such dire straits that you need help? You needed someone or something to assist you in that time of need. You needed to be rescued. Do you recognize this? Mm -hmm. It's called a rescue inhaler. Man, this is a gold mine for those who have asthma. You know, I try to keep my symptoms under control by having my meds on hand. And, um, but when I don't have it, I go into panic mode. It's like, oh no, what if, you know, because an asthma attack is very frightening, it's paralyzing, and it's a really desperate situation. And at the point that I don't have, uh, at the point that I'm in the middle of an asthma attack, I don't have any air. And um, it takes air to oxygenate your body your heart, your mind, your muscles. And so it becomes difficult to breathe. It becomes difficult to move or speak or even think because nothing is getting the oxygen it needs. And the one thing on your mind when that's happening is I need help now. <clears throat> well, I was on vacation and I was snorkeling when I felt it happening. My chest was becoming tight, my fear level amped up, and there was no oxygen to fuel my muscles, and I was starting to fight just to stay above water. So I needed help, and I was looking around frantically for someone, anyone, anything to help me in that situation. When I connected, there was nobody around me. It's like everybody disappeared. Doesn't anybody else snorkel around here? And so I, I looked ashore because that's where I was. I wanted to be there. And there was this little Hawaiian young man. He was holding a surfboard like this. And um, he put it in the water and he just shoved it to me. Man, I grabbed onto that thing. It was my life. And, uh, and so I hung on to it for dear life and paddled ashore. I looked up to him and I, and I said, how did you know I was in trouble? And he just simply smiled and said, your eyes. And so he took his board from the water and I tried to stand up very weakly and wobbly. And I looked for him. I wanted to thank him properly. And he was nowhere. I looked up the road, I looked down the road, I looked in the water, I looked across the street, I looked everywhere. He was not there. And I knew at that moment that I had been saved by the God who loves me. And he sent someone to my help, my aid. You know, you can be doing nothing wrong. Just minding your own business and calamity will fall on you. The rain falls on the just and the rain falls on the unjust, the Bible tells us. There was a lady whose name was Lynn Young, and she worked on the 78th floor of the South Tower 
on September 11, 2001. When a plane struck on the 104th floor, everything exploded around her. There was fire. Her arms were badly burned. There was smoke, blinding smoke, and fear and screams and bodies all around her. She'd just gone to work, just a regular day, when all this happened. And she felt hopeless and she felt helpless, but through that smoke, that dark, encompassing smoke, she saw a young man come forth. He had his face covered with a red bandana. Suddenly, the man shouted, I found the stairs. Stand up now. If you can help others do so, follow me. These words were music to, the, to some of their ears. Some of them couldn't hear because they were already gone. But these words were said by Wells Crowther, a 24-year-old uh, equities trader and volunteer fireman. He wanted to be a fireman. <clears throat> That day, 18 people were led to safety and rescued by his heroic acts of sacrifice. Not only once, but he returned, after he got them to safety, he returned up the stairs to save more. And it is said of him, he went up so others could come down. So when Wells was six years old getting ready for church, he asked his daddy for a hanky just in case he needed one, right? His daddy put a white one in his shirt pocket and told him it was for show. And then he put a red bandana in his back pocket. And that one was for blow. <laughs> it was made for doing what was needed to be, to be taken care of. And Wells never went anywhere without it. He even wore it under his helmet for sports. He tied it around his neck whenever he left the house. He even, it, it was like it became a part of him. You know what I mean? Six months after the 9-11 tragedy, Wells' body was found in the lobby of the Twin Towers, only 75 feet away from safety and being rescued. He was in the company of many other fallen heroes, other firefighters who gave their lives also. And how did they know it was him six months later? By the red bandana. If you have ever been one who's rescued, you know how monumental it is. It's, it's a moment that you never forget. You remember the instance. You remember the circumstances. You remember the sights and smells and the fear level. And, the, and then the relief when someone pulls you out or someone helps you, lifts you up. And you are so grateful and you have such a sense of relief and peace is restored to you again. And your hope is restored. The Hebrew Old Testament word for rescue is yasha. And the Greek New Testament word for is exerio. They both mean the same thing. 
exactly the same meaning. The rescue, restore, retrieve, to take out, to snatch away, to pluck out, to bring salvation, and to deliver from persons or out of circumstances to safety. Let's go to the Bible, because there's lots of stories in there about people being rescued. Where it was needed, and thankfully, it was provided. And so I want to go to Daniel. So if anybody needed some help, it was Daniel. And Daniel was thrown into the lion's <clears throat> den. Now, these were man-eating, hungry, all-the-time lions. He needed to be saved, snatched away, and retrieved from such a horrible end. And he was. God provided for Daniel a rescue worth recording in Scripture for us to learn that God is our rescuer. Now, Darius, the Mede, was the king at that time, and the people were in uh, captivity. They had been taken away and put into, uh, under the rule of other nations. And so it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to, fought, to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, and one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Wow, they did not like Daniel. They were jealous of him. They wanted to be first in line, right? They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it's something to do with the law of God. Daniel had a reputation for being a godly man. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue this decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. Because you know that in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. And now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Isn't that interesting? They would come at that very time. They even knew his schedule. Huh. So they went to the king and spoke to him about this, his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who 
Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. And he was distressed because he loved Daniel. He had plans for Daniel and he admired Daniel. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him from the law. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. They're throwing it up in his face. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, but he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. And then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and in the next reign of Cyrus the Persian. Amen. Boy, Psalm 7, 1, 2 repeats that too. It says, Oh my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Or they will tear me like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Oh, God, I take refuge in me. It's like hiding within God's embrace. God is our first go-to person when we are in trouble. You know, there's many stories Rescue stories is scripture which capture just one of the true character traits of our God. And he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to save us. He loves us too much to let his children wallow in hopeless, in a hopeless situation. Psalm 46 1 says, He is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. He 
is our Savior. You know, the greatest story of all time is the story of Jesus, and all of humanity are the ones being rescued and saved, delivered and restored, retrieved, plucked out, snatched up, because we needed help. We were like sheep gone astray and left to our own being. We will run astray. We'll run off cliffs. We'll fall into the, uh, the raging waters and drown. Lions will come and tear at us. The, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. You know, Jesus knew what he was getting into when he told the Father God, I'm ready, send me. To the Anyway, he had been prophesied about repeatedly through the ages. So we would recognize him when he came. In, in Isaiah 53, he says, uh, he, was, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our sins. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He told about what he would do for us. In Philippians 2 and 6, it says that we should have the same attitude as, as Jesus Christ. We should look like Jesus. We should smell like Jesus. We should be like Jesus. And it says, he was who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Therefore, even death on a cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Luke 9, 22, Jesus is talking here. He says, because he's looking forward to the cross, he says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed. There's that must again. Must be killed on the third day and raised to life. And Jesus invites all of us to connect to him and his saving grace. He says, come to me in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, call upon me in Psalm 55, 16. He says, come out, be free. Isaiah 49, 9. Cast all your cares on me. First Peter 5, 7. And most importantly of all, follow me, Mark 2.14. Follow me to where I'm going because I want you to be with me and I'm coming back to collect you for my own. We don't deserve it, but God's eternal plan was to rescue humanity from sin and death. God had planned in advance that he was going to, what he was going to do to reconcile people to himself so that they would be his people and he would be his God. And the plan was that Jesus would come down so we could go up. Jesus left heaven, came to earth as a baby, grew up and became a man with no sin, so that he could be that perfect lamb, that perfect 
sacrifice and atonement slain on a cross for our behalf. It was his blood that washes us and our sins, white as snow, so that we can gain entrance into his presence and into his power and into his promises. We gain. Anytime we're connected to Jesus, we're on the winning team. We gain so much more than what we give. His blood on that cross was like a red bandana waving in victory and success and majesty and glory and victory. And then, because Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, whoever believes in him shall also be resurrected and enjoy eternal life with him. Those who choose to take hold of his lifeline are rescued from sin and death. They now have an unlimited source that they can call upon in times of need and a constant hope residing in their heart. They can pray along with the prophets of old. Oh Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning. Our salvation in times of distress. But you know, there are still those who choose not to take a hold of that lifeline. They're still lost. And this world is still under the influence of the enemy. And God is still our only hope and help in times of trouble. Amen? Amen. So I have a question. Where do you go or who do you call for help? Are they reliable? Are they constantly available? Will they sacrifice themselves for you and others? Jesus is. Jesus does. And Jesus is willing. And who is more capable than our Lord and our Savior, Jesus? He never takes a day off. He is working 24-7, 365 days a year. He even works Sundays in order to keep a watchful eye on you and me in our comings and our goings. He's always ready to come to your aid as a first responder and your rescuer. So if you believe that, you should have great relief, great peace, and a grateful heart. Do you? Amen. All right. I know I do. So let's pray. Precious Lord, I just thank you that uh, you go before us and you prepare the way. You never leave us alone. You never forsake us, Lord God. And you're always ready and available and capable to rescue us in our times of need. You're an ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, there is nothing that we go through down here that you are not aware of, that you haven't been tempted to tempt in the same way, or you haven't experienced that and even worse, Lord God, I just praise you that you are in constant intercession for us and for when we need you, even times when we don't think we need you, but that's all the time. And Lord God, I just uh, thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody else want to share a moment where you needed help? And the Lord showed up.
Fran. I just was recalling when you brought up that scripture about come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yes. I had, was in a very troublesome spot on the way to a short-term mission in Mexico as a teenager, but had just a lot of trouble at home, just troubled, troubled times. And I remember there was some song that was popular at that time that was that scripture. And I just remember it playing and I just remember being in the back seat of the car that I was in on the way to Mexico. And um, it just, the scripture just washed over me and I just let the Lord uh, minister to me because he was the only safe place. I didn't have very many safe places. And so when you brought up that scripture, it just reminded me uh, when he came and, and rescued that uh, teenage girl that was so troubled. Beautiful. Yes, he meets our every need. Anyone else? Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.